Happy New Year, everyone. Great to be here with you in 2021. Uh, it's probably going to take me about a month to actually start writing that correctly, but we're here. <clears throat> We've made it. So, as Jason mentioned, you can turn to Exodus chapter 16. That's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, for these first couple weeks in January, as we ramp up to jump back into our study in Acts and continue through the Word, um, we just wanted to hit a few things these first weeks. And particularly as we, as we enter a new year, what we tend to do is evaluate the year we just had, right? We tend to look at um, how we want to change this year within our control. Obviously, there's a lot we would have changed last year if we could have controlled it. But looking ahead, uh, we, we evaluate, well, what do I want to do differently this year, right? Many people like to have a resolution, their New Year's resolution, or they have a new plan. It's a new eating plan. It's a new exercise plan. It's a, it's a new place I'm going to go, or it's a thing I'm going to accomplish. Uh, I had one big thing I wanted to accomplish in 2020. It was that I was going to run a marathon, and it got canceled, and then rescheduled, and then got canceled again. And so I think that was just the Lord's mercy, because He knew I wasn't ready for it. And so, uh, you know, that's okay. I'll pencil that in for 2021, but we'll see if that actually happens. But we tend to reevaluate and refine and and uh, as we place new things on our calendar, as we begin to look forward at a new year with vision and, and direction, when we do this, we're all acknowledging something, aren't we? That, that we have room to grow. That every single one of us, we don't look at the new year and say, you know what? I think I did everything perfectly. So if I could just repeat that, it'd be great. Right? I think we all look at it and go, man, I could have really done better in this area. I could really improve on this. And I think I should probably move more towards this or, or less of this or whatever it may be. But we, we recognize there's room to grow. And our spiritual life is no different. Do you realize that this morning, that you're always going to be growing in your spiritual walk with the Lord. None of us have arrived. If Paul could say that he had not yet arrived, I'm sure all of us can look in the mirror and say, yeah, I've got a long ways to go as well. But my hope for us this morning is that um, we would dig into the Word and seek to grow together. That's my hope of why you're here this morning. Maybe because uh, you want to grow or maybe because you've never even pursued a, a spiritual walk with the Lord before and for the first time, this year, you want to actively start pursuing that. That's awesome. We're glad you joined us this morning. But our spiritual walk is much like our physical health in that it's never static, right? It's always either declining or improving with every decision, with every day, and how you choose to spend that day. You can do things that are for your benefit or your detriment. And in our spiritual walk, it is the same. And so this morning, if we want to grow as a people of God this year, if we want to be a church that is spiritually healthy and is improving, then first and foremost, we have to be a people of the Word. We have to be a people that are digging into the Word of God, that are meditating upon the Scripture, that are growing in our understanding. And that's the discipline we want to look at this morning, the reading and the studying of God's Word. As David, or as David, as Jason mentioned, uh, we're going to be in Exodus 16, but 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, I think is a great launch point for us this morning. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as an approved worker, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, right? That's what we want to be known as, workers that are rightly dividing the word of truth, that are not ashamed of the way we spend our year, we spend our days and our moments because we're in the word and we're dividing the word and we're meditating upon the word of God. This is how faith is grown, right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And if we want to grow this year, if we want to be spiritually healthy, we've got to be a people that are in the word. Exodus chapter 16, we're going to look at three different aspects of the Word today. We're going to look at first, how we approach the Word of God. And then secondly, we're going to look at how we engage with the Word of God. And thirdly, we're going to look at how we respond to the Word of God. And we're going to see all of this in Exodus 16. It's going to look a little different. Our context is going to be the children of Israel in the wilderness. 
and they're going to be provided manna from the Lord to satisfy their hunger. But I don't think it's hard for you to look at it and understand the spiritual application it has for us being the children of God who are in a wilderness, so to speak, and need to feast upon the Word of God, our bread. But let's dig in, starting at verse 1 of Acts, or Exodus 16. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. A positive people, aren't they? In the wilderness, and I mean, it's just ironic that they're in the wilderness called sin, right? It's like, don't stop there. Go past that. Why would you stop in a place called that? But this wilderness they find themselves in, right? Paul David Tripp, an author and pastor, he talks about the, they're in between the already and the not yet, right? They've been brought out of this slavery, this bondage in Egypt, and they are not yet into the promised land, that the Lord is taking them to. And they're in this, this in-between that we all find ourselves in this morning, if you're a believer, that you've been brought out of this life of bondage to sin, that you've been brought out of that life into this marvelous light, this life abundant that we found with Jesus. And yet we're not in our promised land. We are not face-to-face with the Lord in heaven yet. We find ourselves in this wilderness, so to speak, much like the children of Israel. But their attitude is not one of gratitude, They're sitting here complaining. In fact, they're going to Moses and Aaron, and they're saying, you just brought us out here to die, to starve, in fact. It would have been better that we were back in Egypt. At least there was some good food for us and as much as we wanted to eat. And out here, we're starving. Now, you could say they're angry, but I think we've we've created a word that much better describes them, and it is they're hangry, right? They are so hungry that they are angry, and they are becoming critical and complainers and whiners, and to the point that they're taking it to the extreme to say, you just brought us out here to die. Like, we're so hungry, we can't make it another day, okay? And my son Hudson loves to describe his hunger in this way. It's been 20 minutes since he had lunch, and he's like, I'm starving, right? And he's, he's dragging his feet on the floor. This is the children of Israel in this moment. And they go to Moses and Aaron, and they say, it would have been better to leave us in Egypt. At least we had plenty of food there. And we see what happens when this people are hangry. But you realize we're not really all that different? Now, spiritually speaking, do you realize there is a, a hangry sort of attitude that you can have when you are not spiritually feeding upon the Word of God? We have a lot of the same responses. You see, first, they're overly critical. And they go to Moses and Aaron, and they're like, where's the food? We're hungry. What do you got for us? We don't have anything to eat. But in Egypt, oh, man, we had, we had meat pots, and we had bread to the full. And they're overly critical. And I love that Moses and Aaron stop them and say, you realize you're coming after us, but really your problem is with God, because he's the one that brought you out of Egypt. He's the one that told us to lead you this way. Your real issue is with the Lord. When we are a people who are not feasting on the Word of God, who are not spiritually being nourished by what we need, we can become overly critical as well. We're around people and we're quick to say, oh, well, I don't like the way they do that. I can't believe they said that. They should really work on that. Never looking inward at our own heart and saying, how can I grow, but pointing the finger at everybody else. We can become overly critical, not just of people, but of of places and things that go on. We come to church and we're like, it's a little too cold in here for me. Not a fan. They didn't play my favorite song, so I'm not worshiping. Oh, I really don't like that, that illustration he used. That doesn't speak to me. So, and we can become overly critical of all the things around us when we're not spiritually nourished. Well, hangry Christians are also forgetful of their sin. They look back And they actually desire to be back in Egypt. And all they're remembering is, there was a lot of food. Man, we could eat as much as we wanted. 
They're not remembering the, the slavery they were in, the bondage there, that they were, they were worked to the end of themselves, that they were given these, these requirements they couldn't possibly make, and that their load just continued to increase, that they weren't even given the benefit of the, the resources they needed to make the brick. But they don't remember that. They don't remember the bad times, the hard times, the tough times, and what the Lord brought them out of. They just remember the pleasure that was there, that we got to eat to the full. And you can do this as well. Spend enough time isolated away from the people of God and without nourishing yourself in the Word of God, and you'll begin to look back at your life before the Lord fondly. You'll begin to look back at it like, it wasn't so bad. Man, I didn't have as many worries or cares. I could do whatever I wanted, and, and we can become forgetful of the consequences of that lifestyle and how empty it was and how it ultimately could not give us what we desired, which is why we came to the Lord. But we can become forgetful when we're not feeding ourselves what we spiritually need. Well, we also see that hangry Christians are complaining Christians. They're not grateful for what they have, the freedom that's been brought, and the incredible ways the Lord has brought that freedom. He's parted a sea for them. He's led them by a pillar of fire and a cloud. He's continued to provide for their every need, and they continue to complain and want more. They are not satisfied and content like we are called to be. And lastly, these hangry Christians are self-focused Christians. They're saying, it's about me and my satisfaction, and I'm hungry, and you're not giving me what I want, so it'd be better that you would just take us back, because I want to eat. I'm hungry, and I want to be satisfied. But the Lord is going to hear the complaints, the whining, you could say, of these people, and He's going to provide for them even so. In verse 7, we read about his provision to them. It says, And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? Moses and Aaron once again, right? The Lord has heard your complaints, because it's really against him. It's not against us. We can't provide something in the wilderness, but the Lord can, and the Lord will. And as we look first at how we approach the word of God, we need, to, we need to carefully clarify a couple things because the people of Israel approached the men of God who represented the Lord for them, complaining, angry, frustrated, selfishly. And we can do the same thing as we approach the Word of God, can't we? That, that we view the Word of God as nothing more than it's, it's a self-help book to get me my best life now. And so I'm going I'm to look in here of how I get the most money and the most satisfaction and the most stuff for me because I want to help myself. Maybe we approach the Word of God thinking, well, I have to do this because God doesn't love me and doesn't care about me if I, if I don't do this, and I'm not going to get my gold star as a Christian if I don't read this, and so I have to go and do it. And we do so with a poor attitude, not expecting to hear from the Lord, not desiring to meet with God just going through the motions. Reading the Bible as we approach it, it doesn't spare you difficult days, and I hope you realize that, that there are men and women all throughout Scripture who love the Lord, who sought the Lord, who meditated upon the words of God, men like Job and David and Abraham who were not spared suffering because they did so. This isn't your get-out-of-suffering-free card to read every day to make sure that you don't have any problems in life. And realize, much like where the children of Israel find themselves in our context, there will be dry days. There will be days that you go into the Word and you're like, all right, today's reading. We're in Leviticus. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy again. All right, here we go. Okay, so there will be some dry days. It doesn't mean every day you open it and God opens up a cloud in heaven and speaks down to you and you're like, I'll never be the same. There will be some days that you read it and you go, okay, this, this is a little dry, but I'm going to dig deeper, and I'm going to continue to chew on this, and I'm going to allow the Spirit to reveal the truth that I desperately need to hear within this. We need to approach the Word of God with the correct understanding. 
Listen to how the, the psalmist in Psalm 119 describes the Word of God. In verse 105, he says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, viewing it as something he needs daily to guide his steps and to direct where he will go. It brings clarity. It brings understanding in dark days. But he goes on in verse 162 of this same chapter to say, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Is that how we approach the word of God? Like someone who's found treasure, someone that's found a great prize and goes to it so excited to open it up and see what's inside, expecting to see incredible things, desiring to hear from the Lord and deepen our relationship and our understanding of him. I would encourage you as homework, go back and read all of Psalm 119, because if you want a better understanding of the Word of God and how we should rightly view it and how we should approach it, man, the chapter is filled. I wish we could spend all day just reading through all the descriptions you get in Psalm 119, the longest chapter we have in the Bible, giving praise and glory to the Word of God. But the children of Israel, we recognize we're not approaching the Lord correctly. May we not be a people who make that same mistake. Let's come to the Word of God hungry. That's the one thing they had on their side. Desiring to feed upon the Word of God. Desiring to hear from the Lord. Actively wanting to dig into the Word and understand what it's saying and rightly divide the Word of truth and then go on and live accordingly. And it brings us to the second part of this because the Lord heard their complaint, and he provides for them. He tells them, all right, I'm going to provide manna for you, and I'm going to provide even some meat for you so you can't complain, and you're going to go out in the morning, and it's going to be out there. And when the dew is removed, you're going to see it. It's so fine. It's like frost upon the wilderness, and you're going to collect it. But it brings us to this next aspect of the Word of God, which is engaging with it. We need to approach it with the right attitude, with the correct perspective, but then we need to engage with it. In verse 4, you see the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. See, he doesn't just tell them, All right, you've got a happy meal right outside your door every morning. Just go out and pick it up and enjoy. No, you've got to go out and you've got to gather it. And there's a responsibility these people have to go out and collect what they need, to dig in, right? That go out, I like to translate that get up, right? Some of us, the biggest battle we face is just getting up in the morning to actually go and dig into our word. We continue to battle that snooze button and most of the time we lose. But all oh, that we would be a people that get up that go out and that gather the Word of God, that dig in to the Scriptures, that are our people this year as we look forward at what we want to see this year. Man, first and foremost, would we be a people that are in the Word every day, that are, that are intentionally digging into it, not, not a speed read, but digging in and, and gathering the truth that God has for us in it. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from Leonard Ravenhill. He was a Christian evangelist. And here's what he says. One of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God, read it, and believe it, and then the rest of us will be embarrassed. And it's, it's a quote I always remind myself of that it's not that complicated. And that, oh, that we would just be a people that would get into the word of God, that would read it, all of it in its entirety, that we would believe it and trust it and that we would live it out. We don't need to be perfect this year, but I hope we all want to progress. I hope we all want to grow. And I hope that we all want to dig into this word and understand it better and apply it in ways that glorify the Lord and represent him well. Don't ever be a person that says, God doesn't really speak to me when you're not getting into his word. God speaks all the time. Are we listening? Are we going to where he most often will speak to us in his word? 
But then let's be a people that don't just hear it and turn a blind eye or a blind ear, but a a people who apply it. What does James say in chapter 1, verse 22? That we are to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Right? He gives a, a humorous illustration there of somebody that looks in the mirror and then they walk away and they immediately forget what they look like. That's what happens when we get into the word real quick. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to read something. Okay, da 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 Got it. Okay. And then you go out the door and somebody's like, did you read your Bible today? Yeah. What'd you read? I, I don't even remember. I don't even know. What book was I in? Right? And we're not a people who are digging in and saying, Lord, I want to understand this. God, speak to me. Show me how to apply this. That are going out your front door in the morning saying, Lord, show me how to live that out today. Lord, give me opportunities to walk that out in what I'm going through. Let's not be a people that look in the mirror and forget as we walk away what we looked like. Because you realize the Word of God, you don't just read it. It reads you. It doesn't just help you better understand the God that we love and follow. It helps us better understand ourselves and the sinfulness that we have and how we are, as the hymn says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. And it helps us have a better understanding of ourselves and how we are to respond. The goal is not just to read, to learn, although that is a part of it, but to learn and to live. It would be better that you knew two verses and live them out to their fullest than that you knew every scripture by memory and yet lived none of it out. The people who faced the harshest criticism in scripture from Jesus were the Pharisees, men who knew the word inside and out and could debate it all day long, and yet men whose hearts were far from him, who lived in a religious system and did not have a a living, lasting relationship with God who were empty tombs, as he called them, whitewashed tombstones. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you want to be equipped for the things the Lord has for you this year, Get in the Word of God. It has what you need for the situations you're going for, through, for the questions that you have, looking for your purpose, looking for identity. It's found in the Word of God. May we be a people who are studying it, who are good students of the Word of God. Now, notice the way that they're told to go and, and get this, this bread that the Lord has provided, this manna, as they were call it, They have to go out and gather it. And it's not in big loaves where you just get an armful and head back home, right? It says it's as fine as the frost. This is a long process. This is tedious. It's not quickly just grabbing it, throwing it in the bag. You've got to go out and slowly gather it off of the ground and collect enough for you and your family for the day. Now, if these things are as fine as frost and you're going to feed yourself the whole day, imagine that's going to take some time. And as we enter the Word of God and we engage with the Scriptures, I hope that you go with that same understanding. You don't cruise through it like a magazine where you just kind of check out some of the pictures and see if there's something that catches your eye. We dig in. We spend time tediously looking at what it says and and chewing on what it's saying and processing what does that mean? What did that mean for them in their context? What does that mean today for me? How do I apply this in a way that glorifies the Lord? It's a slow and delicate process. All throughout Scripture, when you see people describing their engagement with the Word of God, you know what word is often used? And it's not rush, it's, it's meditate. In Psalm chapter 1, right, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What about Psalm 119, as we've already referenced multiple times? In verse 78, it says, Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. 
That same chapter, verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. What about Joshua 1.8, when the Lord's about to send him out to lead the children of Israel finally into the promised land, and what does he tell him? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make, I will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Now, meditation is a word that a lot of us probably just kind of push away from, right? We kick back. We don't like the idea of, of meditation. You're, you're picturing a hot yoga studio or you're picturing, that's some kind of Eastern religion, Lucas. I'm a Christian. I don't meditate. But realize meditation can simply be defined as the act of focusing one's thoughts to ponder, to think on, or to muse. And it consists of reflective thinking or contemplation usually on a specific subject to discern its meaning or significance. And there's a contrast because a New Age kind of thinking or an Eastern religion that might say that um, meditation is to empty one's mind, right, and to disconnect from the world. A biblical meditation, however, is an emptying ourselves of wrong thoughts evil things, things are against Scripture, but it's a filling in with what is good and right. It's filling in with the Word of God. It's pondering and thinking upon the promises of God, the truth of His character, the actions He's called us to. This is the meditation, biblically, that we are called to. It's object-oriented. It begins with reflective reading and then rereading of the Word. It's followed by a reflection on what's been read and a careful thought of um, what God is calling you to and what that will look like and how you can best live that out. So a biblical meditation, it's a reflective thinking on biblical truth so that God can speak clearly to you and show you how you are to live through your understanding of his word. And it's something that in a rushed culture where we're always busy that is difficult to do. To dedicate time to just sit and be still and read, and read again, and read another time. I was talking with a pastor who said that before he teaches any section of Scripture, he reads it a hundred times. I'll just give you a little uh, insight. I don't do that, <laughs> but I was challenged by that when I heard that, that he wants to continue to read it and think upon it, and chew on it, and meditate on it, because he wants to get all he can out of it. This isn't a man who's rushing through it and trying to just grab one quick little thought. He wants to understand it. There's depths to the Word of God that you could read the same section of Scripture a hundred times and still get more out of it. Talk to people who have followed the Lord for 40, 50, 60 years and have read the Bible faithfully every day, they're still getting more out of it. You're never going to come to the end of it where you can close it and say, I finally got all it has to offer. It is a well that never runs dry. And so we continue to dig in. We continue to meditate upon the words and allow the Lord to reveal to us the truth within it. But notice over and over again in Exodus 16 that the Lord is providing this manna for them. But he doesn't say so that they won't be hungry anymore. That's not his purpose in doing so. The goal is to meet and have relationship with the Lord. Look what he says in verse 10. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. Jump to verse 12, and God says, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Not then you will no longer be hungry. Not then you can stop your complaining. But then you will know that I am the Lord your God. There's an intimacy to this. There's a relationship that's being formed here and grown and strengthened. You see, we don't just come to the Word of God to gain understanding and knowledge and truth, but ultimately, we want to learn about the God it speaks to, 
We want to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And so this isn't just getting the quick facts I need to win that debate or understand that argument, but we do this in pursuit of knowing God better, growing in our understanding of his character, his faithfulness, his heart for us. In a world where you're constantly getting information and misinformation, you need to run back to the source of truth and the God that it points to, who never leaves you, who never forsakes you, and who's not changing. And then the people have a responsibility. God is continuing to provide so that you will know He is Lord, so that you will know He is your God. He's the one that brought you out of bondage and the one that will bring you into the promised land, and He's providing for them to remind them of this fact. Don't forget who the Lord is. And now they have an opportunity to respond to this. Just like you, as you gather in the Word of God and you dig into the Scriptures and the truth and God reveals it to you, reminds you that He is Lord of your life and that He can call you where He wants you to go and tell you what to do, you now have to respond. You now have an opportunity to act upon those things that the Lord is showing you. I love how the people respond in verse 15. It says, when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. I love that this is very real and honest. That sometimes, guess what? You might go to the word of God and ask the exact same question. What did I just read? What is that? There's this priest that's putting blood on his ear. He's putting it on his finger. It's going on his foot. What did I just read? There's this very weird law I just read. What, what did I just read? What was that? Sometimes the word will be confusing, and that's okay. Sometimes you'll have questions, and that's okay too. But don't stay in that place. Seek the truth. Find the answer. And I would advise don't Google the answer. There are a lot of better resources and tools. First and foremost, let the Word of God speak for the Word of God. Get context. Get understanding through looking in other passages that speak to that and give you an answer. Look to commentaries. Look to fellow believers in Christ who have been in the Word longer than you, who can give you some insight and some understanding. This is why it's important that we're reading together and that we're all in this, continuing to get in the Word. So when someone says, I have no idea what this is even talking about, you're like, oh, I didn't either, but here's the great news. I've, I've looked at a couple other things, and I've got some things I could show you, and we get some insight. But I love that the thing God was doing was something they didn't understand. That the provision for their problem they're saying, we're hungry, and we're not satisfied, and God says, I'm going to provide for that problem. And he provides manna, and they look at it, and they go, what is this, right? What is this thing? We'll call it manna, because what is it that this was God's provision for them, that this was God actually working on their behalf? This was God revealing himself to them, and they didn't even recognize it. Do you know what that tells me? It's that that's not the way they would have done it. They didn't go out and say, ah, yeah, clever, Lord. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, this is the best way to do it. No, they, they went out and they're like, what is this? You said God was going to provide for us. This is the way he's providing for us? This isn't how I would have done it. This isn't what I would have thought of. This wasn't according to my plan. And just like Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I don't think anybody in here, if they could craft a year, would have crafted 2020. You're going, that is not the way I would have done it. And years from now, our kids are probably going to read in the history about 2020 and go, what is it? What is that? Man, that was a wild year. Man, there's a lot that went on. And yet God is still working in the midst of that. God is not absent from that. And just because we look at it and say, this is not how I would have done it. This is not how I would have planned it. God is present. And he's providing for these people exactly what they need. But it didn't look like what they expected. And it didn't come how they would have planned it. And so they asked the question, what is this? And Moses reminds them, this is the answer to your prayers. 
or your complaints, rather. This is God providing what you need. And now they must respond. God's provided what you need. He's placed it there for you. What are you going to do? And in verse 16, it says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. I love that idea of gathering according to each one's need. It's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Because as you approach the Word of God, some of you are going to hear about that guy who, who reads 12 chapters a day and then he dives into systematic theology by Thesin for a little additional support and then he'll spend a few hours in a Bible commentary before he, he chooses to go look at his Greek lexicon for a little more on, on the end. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, I, I fall asleep before I even get past the third chapter. Lucas, what am I supposed to do? It's, it's not one size fits all, Okay. Thesin gets me sleepy too sometimes, don't worry. But the reality is, they were supposed to go and gather according to each one's need. And as we enter a new year, as we come out with reading plans, if you want to use those, I would encourage you, take what you can. Chew on what you can process. I struggle with that problem of my eyes being bigger than my stomach. And I go to the place and I see all the good food and I order way more than I can actually consume. You don't have to go out saying, this year I'm going to read the Bible in 30 days, okay? Trust me, you don't want to do that. I've tried a 90-day plan and I got about nine days in, okay? So um, chew on what you can handle. And if a chapter is right for you and you say, that's a, a good dose where I feel like I can really chew on it, I can spend time in it, I, I glean from it and I can go out and live it, then do that. Maybe for some of you, it's like one small section in that chapter. You're like, look, I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I'm really just going to chew on this one small section. And I'm going to really meditate on that today and apply that. Maybe for some of you, it's reading that chapter and then looking at the overall context of the book and getting more of an overarching theme kind of a, a 30,000-foot view of what's going on in this book and what is happening here and how does this line up with all of Scripture. Gather according to your need as we engage with the Word of God and respond. But there's another part to this. Moses tells them, beginning in verse 19, let no one leave any of it till morning. But they did not listen to Moses some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms, and it stank, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. As we approach the Word of God, don't approach it like your TV or your cell phone bill, like it's a monthly subscription, and you just get a little bit in, and that ought to do me good till February. Right? We need a daily dose of this bread of life. And for them, they needed to daily go out and gather the word and feast on the word and respond to the word. And it wasn't, well, I, you know what? I'm going to go out today and I'm going to really gather a lot. And then me and my family, we can just kick back and enjoy it all week. I'm going to really dig into scripture one day and then I'm just going to kind of kick back and just, I'll just think about that thought for a couple days and then maybe I'll get back to it later. No, it was daily they had to continue to return and gather once again and provide what they needed. Don't be content with yesterday's word for today. Just as his mercies are new every morning, he desires to speak to you each and every day. And so let's be a people that are eagerly desiring to hear what he has for us today. Lord, what are you speaking today to me? You're a God who's constantly speaking and I don't want to miss it. So I want to be in the word daily, feasting upon it. Don't allow laziness to get in the way, right? Because ultimately that was their problem. They said, I'll gather a little extra for tomorrow so I don't have to get up early. You know, I'll just, I'll eat that for breakfast and then maybe I'll gather some more later. And when they got up in the morning, it stank. There were worms. They were forced to go out and gather once again. Jesus, 
In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? But give us this day our daily bread. Not give us this month's worth of daily bread today, but give us this day our daily bread. And tomorrow, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And it is this daily routine of getting into the Word of God and actively seeking it. Because like our physical health, remember, it's not static. So just because yesterday you had a great time in the Word doesn't mean that today I'm, just, I'm still kind of living off that high and I'm just going to naturally have a great day in the Word as well. You continue to go back to it. You continue to dig in. You continue to discipline. But there's an awesome requirement they're given here. As the people are gathering and feasting on the word, they're told to do something else as well. Look what it says in verse 32. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. They're to keep some of it to hand down to the next generation. They're leaving this legacy to point to God's faithfulness, God's provision, God's care in their lives. It speaks to the importance of us handing down the word of God to those who will come after us. As parents, are we teaching and raising our children in the word of God? When they get up in the morning, do they find mom and dad in their word? Have they been taught that this is something we all do, that we dig into this word, that we continue to come back to it, that we're students of the word all the days of our life? We don't outgrow that at some point. Or are we following in the footsteps of one of the saddest verses in the Bible, Judges chapter 2, verse 10, where we read, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Let that not be so of us, that we'd be a people that don't pass that down to our children, to those under us, but that they would grow up hearing it and seeing it demonstrated and knowing that there is a God who my parents were crazy about, and I want to know that God. And they were always in his word, and they kept getting more out of it. So I don't even think I can exhaust how much I can get out of this, and I want to be in the word because that's the example that was placed for me. I'm truly blessed because I grew in a home with six kids, and yet every morning my mom did a devotion with us. Every morning we were going through our devotions, and it was shocking to me when I would talk to friends and realize, oh, every family doesn't do this? Because that's all I ever knew was every morning we get up and grab your breakfast and come sit on the couch because it's time for devotions. And I had parents who were constantly raising us in the Word. They were leaving that legacy. They were passing on what the Lord had provided to the next generation so that I didn't grow up not hearing of this God. Oh, no, I heard about him daily. I saw his word read over me time and time again. This is the kind of people we want to be, that you're reading it, you're studying it, you're applying it, and you're also passing it down to your children, to those under you. Maybe you don't have kids, but maybe there are people younger than you in the church, and you can be a spiritual father, so to speak, for them. And you can point them to the Word of God, and you can continue to feed them from it and draw them to it and live a life that gives them an example so that that legacy is left. And then closing in verse 35, it says, And the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. All the days that they wandered in that wilderness, the Lord continued to provide what they needed. Every day they could go out and gather, and the Lord was faithful to provide that manna for them. Until they came to that point, they came to that promised land. And I promise you, be diligent to dig into the Word of God every day, and He will be diligent to provide what you need every day in this wilderness, all the way until we get to see him face to face and we can hear those words directly from his mouth. But he's faithful to provide. The children of Israel didn't graduate from the manna and we don't graduate from the word of God. Until we enter our promised land, may we daily be feasting upon the word of God. As we look forward at a new year, let's be a people that are in the word of God daily. Let's be a people that are searching the scriptures and know the truth. 
He's faithful to provide, but are we being faithful to go out and gather it, to engage with it, and to respond to it? God wants to speak to you this year. I'm confident in that. And he will provide what you need to hear him. But you have a responsibility to listen, to gather, to engage. He wants to further reveal himself to you this year. And this is how he does it. Are you getting to know this God we serve better? He has plans for you this year. And he will make known those plans for you as you need to know them as you are in the word of God, seeking him and his word being your lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And if 2020 was any kind of gauge for what this year is going to be like, you desperately need more wisdom. I know I do. And you're not going to find it anywhere except for the word of God. Let's be a people who are always students of the word, hungry for more, desiring to grow, ready to apply. And as we close, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I practically, I just want to give you a couple tools, a couple resources that you can use moving forward with this. Because I never want to tell you now, now go and do it. And then you go, where do I start, right? So Jason's already mentioned those reading plans. Those will be out next week if you want to do that. It's not a requirement. You don't have to do it. But if you'd like to, then we're going to provide those. I'm going to be jumping into that. And I'd love to be able to, day by day, know that we're digging into the same thing. That if you have questions, hey, you can shoot me a text. You can shoot a dozen other people at church a text. You can share an encouraging word, and we're all in the same place, and we're going through the word of God. Those are going to be available for you next week if you want to grab one. And there's a through the Bible in a year if you're feeling a little gutsy and you want to try and go through the entire scripture. Maybe you feel like, Lucas, I haven't even read a book of the Bible. I don't know that I want to go for the whole Bible there's also going to be a reading plan going through just the New Testament. Maybe that's a little more tangible this year, right? Gather according to your need. If you say, well, Lucas, I'm not very good at reading, um, what do you have for me that, that helps with that? Um, first of all, there's a Bible app that's incredible that will read for you. And this has been a lifesaver for me when I'm holding a kid and cooking breakfast for a kid and trying to get in the Word that I can have the Scripture actually read over me. There's a Bible app that can do that. There's apps like Dwell that you can buy so you can get this incredible background sound and you can choose whatever accent you want. And there's just something about a man in an African accent, dialect, speaking psalms over you that just makes you ready for the day, right? Like you, you haven't read the psalms until you've read them with an accent, all right? So uh, there's my little plug for that. But get into the word of God this year. If you don't have a Bible, don't leave here without one, okay? We would love to give you a Bible. But let's dig into the Word. Your soul needs it. And you will be spiritually hangry every day that you're not in it. So let's be a people that feast on the Word of God. It provides the nourishment you need. It'll help you deepen your relationship with the Lord and your understanding of Him. It also helps us to view ourselves correctly in light of the Word of God and identify who we truly are because you're a masterpiece in God's eyes and He's made you with a purpose and He has plans for you and you are beautifully and wonderfully made in His image. He desires to go deeper with you this year. I hope that you'll respond to that invitation. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and we're going to take communion together after this song. If you haven't already grabbed those elements, you can grab them out in the lobby. But let's pray and commit this year to the Lord to be a year that we want to be a people of the word, that we want to search the scriptures daily and feed upon his truth. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. God, you are our provider. And Lord, just like the children of Israel, you have provided what we need in this wilderness. And Lord, it's something that is only found in you. 
the spiritual hunger and longing of our hearts, Lord, nothing else can satisfy it but you, but your word. So God, we thank you first and foremost that we have your word, that we have the freedom to be in your word, and that it has truth for us today that we so desperately need. God, we are thankful that this is not some dead ancient book, but this is the living, active word of God that is sharper than any two-edged stone. And God, we want to be workers that are rightly dividing the word of truth, that are not ashamed of the way we're spending our time, but are diligently diving into your word to know you better. God, and in this moment, I just want to pray first for anybody that's had a wrong approach to the Word of God, Lord, that it's been guilt and shame and condemnation that surround their time in the Word because they feel guilty every day they forgot, and they're living by this works-based relationship with you that says, if I didn't read enough today that God's not happy with me, and if I read more today that God's in better standing with me, but Lord, I pray that they would come to it and seek it and approach it like the psalmist writes, as one who finds great spoil, as one who has found a great treasure, that they'd be hungry and excited as they enter their time in the Word, that they'd be expectant to hear from you, God. They'd be eager to apply what you're showing them, that it would be on their lips throughout the day and they'd be speaking about it with coworkers and friends and family that we would truly meditate upon your word. God, that we'd want to know you better. And God, that you would speak in those moments. You would meet with your people so that we would know like the children of Israel that you are Lord, that you are our Lord and Savior. God, be glorified in our lives. Lord, I pray that this would be a church that is known for being a people of the Word of God. People who are constantly in the Word, speaking the Word, living the Word. For your glory, God. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.